right, gamblers, let's get gambling. Thanks for tuning into the Outkick Bets podcast. This is your host, Jeff Clark. I'm here to break down NFL Week 17. I'm recording Thursday, December 28th. A little bit of a late start to the week just because Christmas was Monday. Also, I'm flying solo today, guys. Uh, my three usual podcast guests all couldn't be here because of either a personal or professional obligation. So we're just here to talk about my five picks in week 17 for the Circa Million Football Handicap and Contest. I'm coming off of a 5-0 and o week 16. Uh, my record in the Circa Million is now 46-32-2, which is good for 47 points and puts me in a tie for 511th place. Entering week 16, I was in a tie for 1,116th place. So I jump over 600 places with my 5-0, and and I need to duplicate that over the next two weeks. Um, I think the only chance that I have of making the money for the season-long contest or the fourth quarterly is if I go 9-1 and or 10-0 and in week 17 and 18. Um, so I have a lot of work to do. Hopefully, I'm seeing it right. I mean, 5-0 and last week would suggest that I am. I'm very, very confident in my picks. Keeping along the same process, even though, again, my week was a little bit in flux because of Christmas. Um, just to kind of set the table here before I start eating, lay out the agenda for this podcast, I'm going to talk about all five picks that I have in the Circa Million. I apologize ahead of time. If you hear any clicking in the background, it's going to be me looking at some notes and seeing the updated odds and, you know, kind of getting my ducks in a row as I record here. And I'm only going to do um, my five picks with a couple of leans just because, hey, I get a little long winded. I like hearing myself talk. I like breaking down these games and kind of getting into the minutia of these matchups. So if I talked about all 16 games, this podcast could go an hour plus, and I don't want to serve you guys up that long of a podcast, especially when I'm not going to be betting all 16 games. I'm only going to be betting maybe six or seven when it's all said and done. Um, but again, I am going to give you my five picks for my Circa Million, one of which is a Thursday night football game. We are recording Thursday morning, but I do want to give this podcast a little more shelf life, a little more legs. Um, and give you something to listen to over the weekend. So that's why I'm going to talk about a couple of the leans. And also, I do a Circa Million with my brothers, uh, with my brother, and um, his picks and my picks, our, our picks and my personal picks differ a little bit. So I'm going to talk about um, at least one or maybe two of the matchups that me and my brother are focusing on, on top of the, my five picks in week 17. But Let's start off with the Thursday night football game. I'm going back to the well with the Thursday night football game because this is it's been really successful for me this year. I'm six and zero in Thursday night football games um, in the Circa Million contest. Six and one if you count Thanksgiving, um, but in Amazon Thursday night football games six and zero. Um, and my usual go to first factor in these matchups are shorter weeks favor the better coach. Now, there's no shot on Robert Sala, but Kevin Stefanski is clearly the better coach, or as Robert Sala, the Jets guy, is more unproven. Stefanski won Coach of the Year in his first year with the Cleveland Browns. He's the favorite to win it again this year, and probably his best coaching move 
really in years is hiring uh, defensive coordinator Jim Shorts this offseason. Uh, Cleveland's defense has always had a lot of talent, but has left a little bit to be desired. Uh, Jim Schwartz is getting the absolute most out of this defense, especially at home. Um, at home, Cleveland's defense is world class. And Miles Garrett looks to be the best defensive player in the world currently. Um, at home, the Browns are allowing only 3.5 yards per play compared to 5.6 Yards per play on the road, only 13 points per game compared to 29 points per game on the road. So Cleveland's defense is just a juggernaut at home. And again, short weeks favor the better coaches. Now, I do have a trend that kind of supports that. Uh, Hear me out. Uh, Since 2013, home favorites of at least seven or more on Thursday night football are 21-9-1 against the spread. That's a 70% cover rate, and they have a plus 13.3 scoring margin in those games. Now, it's just as simple as you have less time to prepare, so the sharper, quicker minds, I think, are going to formulate a better game plan on that short time. It's as simple as that. So no shot at Robert Sala, but... I just don't have any faith in him and first-year defensive offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett being able to figure out a game plan to 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 get points against this Browns defense, which again is absolutely insane at home. The Jets defense, like the Browns defense, falls off a little bit on the road. They give up um, nearly four more points per per game at home or on the road compared to at home opponents have a hundred quarterback rating um, when the Jets visit the opponents, but the Jets quarterback uh, Jets opponents quarterback rating is only 63.5 when they visit New York. The Jets actually have 12 turnovers or 12 interceptions at home this year compared to two interceptions on the road. I'm actually buying stock in Cleveland's offense under Joe Flacco. Um, Joe Flacco has, uh, the Cleveland Browns have good pass-catching options. Amari Cooper set a franchise record with 265 receiving yards last week against the Houston Texans. David Njoko's got four touchdowns in Joe Flacco's four games, and the Browns are 3-1 and in Joe Flacco's um, four games as the Browns starter. Um, and going back to Cleveland's defense, which is the real edge in this game outside of the short work week, but Cleveland's defensive line should just maul New York's offensive line. Uh, the Jets have the worst pressure rate allowed in the NFL. They don't have a single starting offensive lineman that grades above replacement level, according to pro football focus. Um, Inpredictable.com, which is um, a website, a, a great website that um, gives the sports betting market rankings for teams, offenses, and their defense based on the closing spread of each game. And the market has the Jets appropriately ranked dead last on offense and fourth in defense. New York's offense is definitely dead last, especially now that they're on their fourth quarterback, Trevor Simeon. Um, but I don't think New York's defense is top five on the road. I like the Browns to win um, by double digits 
And I'm going to go ahead and submit early with the Browns probably at minus seven and a half on the circa million lines. Um, I'm also hitting the next primetime game we have here in the NFL Week 17 slate, which is the Detroit Lions at the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys are roughly five and a half point favorites. I'd play it down to, to, to four and a half. And frankly, I think this line is just disrespectful. Um, it, it presumes that the Detroit Lions are going to have a letdown game or come in flat after winning the NFC North last week. Now, that's fully possible. We've seen that out of teams, you know, throughout the years. It's really, you know, the letdown spot is one of the older handicapping angles in football. But I think you're crazy if you believe the Lions are going to be flat under head coach Dan Campbell. Um, fellow Outkick writer David Hookstead is a Lions fan, and he does every every for every Lions win, he'll post the post game locker room speech for Dan Campbell. And these Lions players are willing to run through a wall for him. This is a prime time game. Jared Goff plays really well in prime time, um, and I think that the the Detroit Lions are going to come out and put out play a really really good game against the Dallas Cowboys. Also, the Dallas Cowboys are just overrated, in my opinion. Um, Right now, unpredictable.com has the the Cowboys as the third best team entering Week 17. They're second on offense and fourth on defense. I can live with them being second on offense, but they're not the third best team in the NFL, and they're not the fourth best defense in the NFL. just like the, the 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 Browns and the Jets, the the Dallas defense regresses significantly on the road. Granted, this is a home game, but the market is saying Dallas is better than the Buffalo Bills, Miami Dolphins, Kansas City Chiefs, and the Eagles. No way. I mean, the Dallas Dallas has lost to the Bills, Dolphins, and Eagles, and and they usually struggle and suck against good teams outside of the division. Um, now, I can give you a few football reasons why I really like this matchup for Detroit. The strength of Dallas's defense is the pass rush, but the Detroit Lions have easily a top five offensive line in the NFL. I think they're going to keep Jared Goff um, upright. Jared Goff is going to have time to pick apart Dallas's overrated secondary. They're playing in AT&T Stadium, which is a fast track, so we don't have Jared Goff outside in the winter. Um, and the, the 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 Cowboys are really bad against the run. They're 27th in ESPN's run-stopping win rate. They rank dead last in rushing defense success rate. And we know if the Lions and Jared Goff have a pass game, this offense can put up 30-plus. We saw the Seattle Seahawks cover and put up 30-plus in a loss to the Dallas Cowboys a couple weeks ago. And I have a lot more confidence in Detroit's offense than I do Seattle's. Also, this is just a better spot for the Detroit Lions. They're 8-4 straight up and and 9-3 against the spread versus teams with a winning record. Since last season, 4-1 and one straight up and against the spread this season. Jared Goff 
is really good on prime time. And everyone I hear, most everyone I hear break down this game, just look at it as like a smash spot for the Dallas Cowboys. I don't see it that way. I think the Detroit Lions and Dallas Cowboys are pretty much equal teams on a neutral field. And this line, because Dallas is home, should be three, three and a half. So as of right now, the Detroit Lions are getting five and a half. I think there's two points worth of value right there at least. So I'm going to take it. The Detroit Lions situation be damned. The next look that I have here is the Atlanta Falcons at the Chicago Bears. <laughs> I love the Chicago Bears uh, team. They've made me a lot of money this year. And I've, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about the Falcons. I'm I'm buying stock in them this week, though. I'm going to take the plus three with the Atlanta Falcons because of Tyler Taylor Heineke. Um, you know, he's their backup quarterback who they replaced Desmond Ritter with. And the best way that I can put this is Taylor Heineke is Tyrod Taylor Gardner Minshew bad, whereas Desmond Ritter is Zach Wilson bad as in you can win games with Tyler Heineke Taylor Heineke but it's it's really hard to win games with Desmond Ritter um the Bears are were a trendy preseason pick to make the playoffs and possibly win the NFC North once they sucked mid-season everyone started to turn on them and now people are back in since Justin Fields returned um five games ago for the Bears the Bears are three and two straight up and four and one against the spread over those five weeks. So people are, are falling in love and fall in love with the bears. I bet the bears last week as a four and a half or four point favorites. They beat Arizona Cardinals at home 27, 16 to cover that number. Um, I watched the whole game, but I do think that, and I do think that double digit win last week was uh, a tad misleading. Um, the, the Bears played with their food. The, the Cardinals made that a one-score game in the fourth quarter and could have easily fallen inside of the number, but just kind of peed down their leg down the stretch. Um, and Atlanta, who was a team that I also picked last week, beat the brakes off the Indianapolis Colts um, 29-16. And that was a Colts team that had a lot to play for. They're in a three-way tie atop the AFC South. They're currently the seventh seed in the AFC postseason standing. So I do think that Falcons Colts went that Falcons went over the Colts is legitimate. Um and since Chicago was four point favorites against Arizona last week, I think Atlanta plus three is a great price. There's no way the Cardinals are only one, one and a half points, depending on you know where you're looking or what the closing line was last week. There's no way they're one, one and a half points worse than the Falcons. Arizona is 13-3 and three this year. They have the second worst record in the NFL. Again, one of those wins actually came against the Atlanta Falcons, 25-23, and it was Kyler Murray's first game back. And, uh, and Taylor Heineke did start with the Falcons, but Taylor Heineke got hurt mid-game. And when he got hurt, the Falcons were leading. When Ritter came back, it all went downhill for the Falcons. Well, the Falcons have Heineke um, for the full game this week. And Heineke's got a ton of weapons to work with. I know Chicago's defense has been good lately, but 
I do think Heineke can have some success with Bijan Robinson, Drake London, and um, Kyle Pitts. And again, I do look at him as as someone who, who is a competent quarterback. I mean, he won the NFC East with the Washington Commanders in 2020. He played in a playoff game against Tom Brady. So it's not like he's a complete schmuck, whereas Desmond Ritter is a complete schmuck. Both the Falcons and the Bears have played cupcake schedules, but Atlanta's statistical profile is better than Chicago's. Um, I have like these key performance indicators that I chart week in, week out. It's like it's differential between EPA per play, yards per play, pressure rate, third down conversion, and red scoring, uh, red zone scoring conversions, conversion rate. Excuse me. The Atlanta Falcons are better than the Chicago Bears in all those metrics. Um, and I believe if you can take away Chicago's ground game, you can essentially shut down the Bears' offense because Justin Fields probably isn't going to beat you in the air. I, I like him, but you know he's not a polished pocket passer right now. The Falcons are 6th in ESPN's run-stopping win rate, and they're ninth in yards per rush allowed. Um, they have all pro talent on all three levels of their defense, um, and the uh, and Justin Fields has the third worst sack rate in the NFL, ahead of only Giants third string um, quarterback Tommy DeVito and the aforementioned Zach Wilson. Uh, the the Falcons actually have a legit number one corner cornerback and AJ Terrell to man up against Chicago Bears wide receiver DJ Moore. And I don't like to put too much stock into this, but it is kind of the cherry on top of the handicap on Sunday. But there is more money in the market on the Atlanta Falcons, whereas more bets are on the Chicago Bears as of Thursday morning, um, according to both Pro Football Focus and Pregame.com. Yet this line hasn't budged off the opener, you know, I think people are going to be back in the Chicago Bears closer to kickoff, but I don't think this line's ever going to get to three and a half. If it does, I would absolutely hammer the Falcons here. But be that as it may, I'm going to take the three with the Falcons. Also, last random like tidbit, Falcons have played in four games with two-point margins and 10 one-score games. So they play in tight games, and I think this one is going to come down um, to a coin flip as well. So I'll take the three with the Falcons, who are a better team, and um, made the sensible decision by benching Ritter and going with Taylor Heineke. Um, My card only gets uglier from here. (laughs) Uh, My next best bet in the NFL Week 17 slate is the Arizona Cardinals at the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, I'm going to take the 10.5 with the Arizona Cardinals. First things first, I'm, I'm, I'm more fading the Eagles than betting on the Cardinals. Philly has been favored by seven or more points in just three games this season. Twice it was against the Commanders. Once it was against the, no, actually last week it was against the New York Giants. The Eagles are 2-0-1 against the spread in those games. And believe it or not, the market ranks actually the Cardinals higher than the, the Washington Commanders and the Giants. And... Arizona with Kyler Murray actually have a legit starting quarterback, whereas the New York Giants and the Washington Commanders do not. Um, furthermore, this is 
um, Arizona first-year head coach Jonathan Gannon's revenge game. He uh, was the defensive coordinator from 2021 to 2022 for the Philadelphia Eagles. After only two years of a defensive coordinator job, he did get a head coaching gig with the Cardinals. So there's probably not any bad blood there, but um, Gannon does have familiarity with Philadelphia's roster, and that should help him with the game plan here. The Cardinals have been pretty good against the number this season. Let me pull up specifically how they're doing. They're seven and eight against the spread. So even though they're three and twelve, um, they have a three and twelve record. You know they are covering games. So they did. Uh, if you remember, with Josh Jobs, beat the crap out of the Dallas Cowboys earlier this year. I think that final score was twenty eight to uh, seven, twenty eight to sixteen. So. Um, the Cardinals do one of their three wins are impressive. And last year, these teams met in Philly and the Eagles were five point favorites. It was a week five game. The Cardinals were two and two entering that game. The Philadelphia Eagles were four and oh. Um, now, last year's Eagles team is obviously better than this year's team. And with that in mind, when you do the five point flip rule, uh, or not even the five-point flip rule. But with that in mind, I think the Eagles should be seven-and-a-half-point favorites against the Cardinals this week um, because I do think last year's team was much better than this year's team. And right now the Cardinals are getting ten-and-a-half. And obviously ten-and-a-half is a key number with a ton of backdoor potential, uh, backdoor cover potential. Um Last year, Kyler Murray actually outplayed Jalen Hurts. He had more passing yards, higher EPA, a higher completion percentage over expectation. Um, and Kyler needs a run game to, to help him out because his wide receivers suck. But luckily for him, Philadelphia's rushing defense really isn't good. They're 27th in rushing EPA. Murray is one of the most elusive runners in the NFL. And Cardinals running back James Conner, seventh among running backs in yards per carry. So I think Arizona is going to be able to get some yards on the ground here, especially when you consider the Eagles lost their top five tacklers from last year's team. I could easily see uh, Kyler Murray gaining 60 yards on the ground with a touchdown. Last year, he ran for 42 yards on four carries. And finally, again, I am fading the Eagles here. They struggled to cover against the number last year down the stretch. You know, they are a physical team, so maybe just the grind of the NFL season starts to wear them down. But they're also really bad. Uh, the Eagles defense on third down and in the red zone. They're 30th in defensive third down conversion rate and 29th in red zone scoring rate allowed. And I don't know about you, but I don't think it's a good idea to lay 10 and a half with a team who can't get opponents off the field and suck in the red zone. And my last thought here, my last little tidbit on this game is Philadelphia is the luckiest team in the NFL, according to teamrankings.com, whereas Arizona is 26th in luck ranking. So just based on that, Philadelphia's record and Arizona's record for that matter are both a little misleading. Again, I just, you know, I think the Cardinals are going to be able to keep this inside of single digits, and I haven't seen, I haven't liked what I've seen out of the Eagles, at least not enough to lay a big number here with 
them. And I guess I said final thing, but my, my, my actual final thing about this game is everyone, according to the betting splits that I'm finding, is betting the Eagles here. So no one wants anything to do with the Cardinals. It's generally where you find profit in betting the NFL. I know the public has done really well betting the NFL this year, but I think the sports books are eventually going to get that money back. It might take them until the Super Bowl, but these underdogs are going to start cashing, and I think the 10.5 here um, for the Cardinals is going to be a winning ticket. So that's my third best bet. Um, another best bet that I'm going with here um, is the – excuse me – my fourth best bet, my final best bet is the Carolina Panthers at the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is another just kind of like eyeball, um, you know, eyeball, eye, eye test bet that I'm making here. But just I don't think the market can appropriately adjust for how like banged up this Jaguars roster is and how 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 much they're regressing and how quickly they're on a four game losing streak the Jaguars are and Trevor Lawrence's timing and rhythm has been off because he keeps missing practice due to injuries he sprained his ankle had a concussion now has a sprained joint and his uh throwing shoulder so he has no continuity with his receivers his number one wide receiver Christian Kirk is injured for the year and over the last four games Lawrence is only completing 61% of his passes. He has eight total touchdowns to eight total turnovers. And the Jaguars just aren't good enough to overcome Lawrence playing poorly. They actually have a negative scoring margin and a negative yards per play differential. And I actually like how Carolina rookie Bryce Young has, has looked in recent weeks. The, uh, I was on the Panthers last week when they covered in a 33-30 home loss versus the Green Bay Packers. Um, I think I took four and a half in that game, and they closed as four-point, maybe even three-and-a-half-point underdogs and ended up covering. Um, Young threw for a career-best 312 yards. He had two touchdowns, zero interceptions, at a career-high 111 quarterback rating. And he rallied Carolina back down back from a double-digit fourth quarter deficit to tie the game with four minutes left. So I think the Panthers are, are trending in the right direction and Bryce Young should have success against Jacksonville's pass defense, which isn't exactly a tough test. The Jaguars are 25th in opponents quarterback rating and tied for 27th in sacks. Bengals backup quarterback, Jake Browning lit him up a couple weeks ago. Joe Flacco torched the uh, Jaguars a couple weeks ago and you know, to be fair, those quarterbacks have a lot more weapons than Young does in Carolina. But if Young is really starting to figure things out, which it looks like he somewhat has in recent weeks, he can make some throws versus Jacksonville's secondary. And uh, regardless, we don't we don't need Bryce Young to win this game. We just need him to cover the six and a half. And Carolina's defense might be able to help out that. The Panthers are just allowing four yards per rush. Drinks 13th in the NFL. Uh, Jacksonville's gaining less than four yards per carry on the ground. Um, their offensive line is real bad. The Carolina Panthers, between Derek Brown and Brian Burns, have a decent uh, defensive line. They 
have a good middle linebacker and Frankie Lavuvu. Um, I think that's Harrison. I think that's how you say it. And they have some studs in the secondary between uh, J.C. Horn and uh, Xavier Woods back there. So I think Carolina's defense could show up against Jacksonville's offense, who is really banged up, and and Trevor Lawrence is pretty much held together by glue at this point. And I've like what I've seen out of the Carolina Panthers enough where they're going to be my fifth and final pick here in my NFL Week 17 card. Um, so just to recap my five picks, I'm going to lay seven and a half with the New York uh, with the Cleveland Browns hosting the New York Jets on Thursday Night Football. I'm going to take five and a half with the Detroit Lions at the Dallas Cowboys on Saturday Night Football. I'm going to take ten and a half with the Arizona Cardinals. Um, maybe even up to 11, depending on what the contest line is at the Philadelphia Eagles. And then I'm going to take six and a half with the Carolina Panthers when they visit the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now I told you guys, I was going to talk about two of the leans that I have. We'll start with the big game on Sunday, um, which is the Miami Dolphins at the Baltimore Ravens. A couple weeks ago, I picked the Minnesota Vikings over the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. Um, I took plus three in the contest. Um, Personally, I bet three and a half, which got there when the Vikings lost uh, by three points in overtime. I chopped on the contest and um, won personally. But I guess what I'm I'm getting at here is I watched that full Vikings-Bengals game. Um... Because, you know, I had money on it. And as I was watching it, I thought, man, both these teams suck. And I'm going to fade them next week. Well, last week would have been the week after the Vikings-Bengals meeting. The Bengals got crushed by the Steelers um, in Mason Rudolph's first game under center for Pittsburgh. And the Vikings lost at home against the Detroit Lions. So my instinct of fading teams who I thought looked like shit would have been right. I say that because I feel very similar to the Dolphins-Cowboys last week. The Dolphins beat the Cowboys on 20, I think it was 22-20. It was a pick game. I had the Dolphins. Dolphins are one of my best bets of the week, so it cashed. But as I was watching it, I was like, you know what? Both these teams suck, and I want to fade them both. Um, now, what's keeping me away from betting Baltimore in this one as three and a half point favorites while hosting Miami is they just had one of the best wins of the year on primetime on Christmas night, upsetting the San Francisco 49ers in the Bay area. And typically you don't want to bet teams coming off of big primetime wins um, where I think that I'm willing to overlook that. And while I end up probably having money in the Baltimore Ravens this weekend is because this is a revenge game for the Ravens. Um, they took one of the worst losses in the John Harbaugh, Lamar Jackson era last year when the Miami Dolphins came back from 20-plus in the fourth quarter in week three, or maybe it was week two, to upset the, the, the Baltimore Ravens. And I think the Baltimore Ravens are going to remember that game and really good up for this one. And it's also a game for the first seat. So it's not like it's a look ahead in any way, shape, or form. 
if Baltimore beats Miami, they can rest all their starters for week 18. They get a bye week in the AFC playoffs. And probably the the favorite to to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. Um, Also, Miami's offense has got a crazy amount of injuries. Um, Both running backs, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, and a couple starting offensive linemen all missed practice Wednesday. Um, I'm sure a lot of them are going to play, but their continuity might be off, which is a thing for Miami. I mean, Tua doesn't have a big arm, so the timing and rhythm in that offense is the most important. And if they're missing practice time, maybe that timing and rhythm is off. It didn't look great against the Cowboys, I can tell you. And the 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 Baltimore Ravens played an A to A plus game last week against the San Francisco 49ers. In fact, you could argue the Baltimore Ravens have played three of the best games in the NFL this season when they beat the absolute shit out of the Detroit Lions earlier this year, then they probably beat the Seattle Seahawks even worse and then upset the San Francisco 49ers last week. So I made a lot of money on this Ravens team this year. Um, And based on what I saw from Miami, I don't think last week, I don't think the Dolphins are in the Ravens um, tier. So I lean towards a three and a half, but I like these, (laughs) these other shittier teams like the Cardinals, the, the Panthers, and the uh, Falcons more. So I'm going to go with those instead of the Baltimore Ravens. As I say that, I just, I'm laughing. You can hear me laughing because I probably, like, I'd probably feel better about, I would definitely feel better about losing with Lamar Jackson, losing with Taylor Heineke, Kyler Murray, who, who I kind of like, and, and, and Bryce Young, who I also like. But still, I mean, Lamar Jackson is a favorite to win the MVP. And, you know, losing with him wouldn't be as bad as losing with those other guys, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's keeping me away from it. I just, it, it is a bit of the Dolphins, right? The Dolphins roster is sick. Vic Vangio's got that defense playing really well, and I just think I want to take the underdogs in, game, in, in week 17. I feel like underdogs are going to have a nice week here. So I'm going to stay away from the Miami Dolphins-Baltimore Ravens game. But let's talk about the Sunday night football matchup with the Green Bay Packers at the Minnesota Vikings. Right now, the Vikings are two-point favorites um, hosting the Green Bay Packers. This is a huge game for both of them. It's a loser-leave-town game. And the Minnesota Vikings beat the Green Bay Packers over this year 24-10. Um, in Lambeau Field, Kirk Cousins was playing. He's you know not playing in this game, and the Vikings are also missing T.J. Hawkinson, who tore his knee up and will be out for the rest of the year, and maybe without Jordan Addison, they were missing J.J. Uh, Justin Jefferson in their first uh, meeting with the Green Bay Packers earlier this year. So I don't know, maybe that's like all of those injuries kind of offset each other, at least in the wide receiver or pass catcher position. But the uh, Brian Flores, Minnesota Vikings defense just crushed Green Bay's offense. Again, held them to 10 points. That that was a Green Bay offense that had Aaron Jones. It had um, Christian Watson playing. It had A.J. Dillon. So they were fully healthy, and still uh, the Vikings played a hell of a game against them. And... 
Um, because I do like the underdogs here and I'm a little skittish with Minnesota's um, injuries to their offensive um, players. This isn't going to be a part of my personal card, but me and my brother are going to go ahead and play this in our, in our circa million entry. So um, heavy lean towards the Ravens minus three and a half, heavy lean towards the Vikings minus two. Um, so those are my two leans on top of my five picks, which again are the Cleveland Browns minus seven and a half, the Detroit Lions plus five and a half, the Arizona Cardinals plus ten and a half, the Carolina Panthers plus six or plus six and a half, and the Atlanta Falcons plus three. That's it. That's the end of the NFL week 17 betting breakdown. Uh, my apologies for this podcast hitting the stream a little late. My apologies for being solo. I'll try to get in the guest next week, but Hopefully I doled out five more winners for you guys. Went 5-0 last week. Really need to finish this Circa Million contest strong so I can possibly make some money in this racket. Wish me luck. I wish you luck whether you fade or follow me. Be sure to follow Outkick Bets at Outkick Bets on Twitter. You can read my daily handicaps for the NFL, NBA, you know, college football bowl games, New Year's Six Bowls coming up. I'll have handicaps out for at least the college football playoffs maybe a couple other college football games. You can check that all out at outkick.com backslash betting. Follow me at Jeffrey underscore Clark. Please subscribe, rate, and review to the Outkick Bets podcast on Apple Podcasts. Until tomorrow or maybe NFL Week 18, peace.